Good morning. It's Sunday the 13th of August and you are listening to the big kickoff. Good morning, welcome to the big kickoff. It's uh, the 13th of August, as I said, and uh, Dave Bugle is back in the hot seat. Good yeah, morning, Dave. Was, sorry, good morning, everyone. How are you? Um, we are on TuneIn Radio. We uh, have a text number of 0870627138 if you want to uh, contact us uh, this morning, and uh, the big kickoff uh, 96.4 at gmail.com if you want to send any email. How's your weekend been, Dave? Ah, not too bad. Obviously, uh, the Premier League is back, so uh, yeah, start pulling my hair out again. Obviously, <laughs> frustrations yesterday. It's um, been a good start, though, hasn't it? Plenty of goals. Ah, the Premier League must no, be licking it. their lips with the amount of like, goals. Yeah, I didn't see much of the City game, but the two Sky games, like from Friday and Saturday, or Saturday were classics. Yeah, like what was I said, blah, 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 thirteen goals can't beat it. Great drama for the neutral, like you know, especially with Ar- Arsenal's last minute. Ah, it's phenomenal. Great to watch. Um, we will. What have we got? Oh yeah, sorry. Who have we got in the show? Uh, you can say who we have on the show. Oh, you don't Please. know. Do you not know who we I have? I do, but... Okay, so we have uh, Richie Farrell yes. and uh, Brendan Kennedy on uh, to talk about a couple of little items. It's a great debate. Uh, we had it on last week, or not last week, a couple of weeks ago. And this one is about uh, coaching schoolboy football, I suppose, or youth football. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get a bit more in-depth into that um, later on. The other... Subject that we have is our feature, which is what the uh, our feature. Oh, uh, funny sporting commentaries. Uh, basically, some of the classic, uh, well-known commentaries from some great sporting events over the years. And uh, as I said, like we do with many of these things, this will definitely be back again. We're only scratching the surface. So uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that because there is some funny moments, and we we'll let the we we'll let the powers that be uh, entertain us. Okay, I think we have Ash. We have Ash with Kung Fu coming up now. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't get better than that. Dave, sports news. Sports news, I suppose we have to start with the two legends of athletics that I've retired yesterday. Yeah, right there. So Shannon just headbutted head the, the microphone. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a little Marrow and Fellaini face there. <laughs> you seen that on Tuesday, did you? <laughs> the ball. Yeah. yeah, you just had a bit there. But yeah, Mo Farah, unfortunately, couldn't find um, that last bit of energy for uh, for finishing yesterday in the 5,000 metres where he was beaten by the, one of the Ethiopians. I think it's Eldris, because I keep thinking of Idris Elba when, when he went over the line. But yeah, he, look, he was still there. It was... 
they, it was a quite fast paced race, but you could just see that, like, sure, he barely walked yeah. out of the press conference there a week ago at the, at the, the 10,000 meters. So he, unfortunately, was just a bit shy, but it's irrelevant. It's incredible. It would have been his fifth double in a row. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been phenomenal, but it doesn't matter. It was, uh, it was a bit of a send off. And even the way, even in the 10,000 last week, he was kind of cheering on the crowd as he was going around, which is not like him. So he, he knew and embraced it. So now he's taken to the road. Right. And what about, uh, balls? Bolt. Yeah, um, they were a bit behind, a couple of yards, so it's hard to tell where he would have pulled it back. Um, the Brits, uh, Great Britain and the US were ahead by about, as I said, about two or three yards, and he got the baton and about 40 yards down, about 40 metres down, he pulled up with a hamstring, unfortunately. I looked at the race, I didn't see it last night, mm. I looked at the race this morning. Yeah. And he had a little bit of work to do. Yeah, I'm not. As you said, I'm not sure yeah. he would have caught, caught yeah, back. There's up. no, there's no saying he would have. And yeah. then it, the cynical side of me kind mm. of went, "Did he pull up because he knew he wasn't going to do it?" That was that it looked quite real, though. In fairness, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like Johan Blake was on later on, giving out going that it was ridiculous. Like the lads were well warmed up, and then they, they had to stand there for two medal ceremonies. So he said, like, right. if it hadn't been him, it could have been one of us. Um, they said it was ridiculous. Like they have this, they they have it down to a fine art. Yeah, be ready at this time, and then of course they're ready, and then all of a sudden, okay, now stand still for a yeah. bit longer than you yeah. want to be. Yeah. But so, anyway, unfortunate way to go. Now, Helen Chamberlain, yes, has departed from Soccer AM. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> it, it was getting to the stage yeah. where you needed something. For a long time yeah. now, because uh, I, I kept I changing the lads. I looked at the figures of <clears throat> uh, Soccer AM, and at, I think at the peak there was close to three hundred thousand. That's it. And for Sky, that is big figures. Three hundred thousand in the peak, and now they're down to sixty thousand. And yeah. I would be one of those sixty thousand that don't watch it on yeah. a Saturday morning yeah. anymore. Now they have Jimmy Bullard coming in, and I'm not sure who the other guy is. Kind of, I, I know of him. I've seen him a few things. He, he was, he was okay yesterday. Seen little bits of it yesterday. Lloyd Griffith. Yeah, he's decent now. And then of course, uh, Fenners is there, who's always who, who doesn't let you down. Who Brad Bob, you. Brad Bobley is just hilarious. Yeah. He is unbelievable. Do you think they can? Do you think they can get it back to a? Probably never himself? get back to them heights. It's very hard for a show to come back to heights like that. But it, they can kind of bring some people back and a new generation back so to speak but uh, yeah you're, you're never going to beat the heights of uh, Lovejoy and uh, and Helen Chamberlain back in the day and Sheephead and Fenners and the whole lot of them you just don't and Tubes it's not the same but uh, it need, something needed to be done um, so we'll wait and see we'll wait and see it was half decent yesterday I actually did watch a little bit of it now did you? yeah, yeah they had uh, who they had the, the cribs on and then they had a couple of girls from the English women's the, the ladies team that got to the semis of the Euros so right. yeah, yeah it was decent yeah, see, it, it does be decent but I think the problem was it wasn't as funny as it was no well, it was at one stage it, it, Max Rushton did, did, did Fenners leave yeah he left him and he left and that's when it joke. fell apart they set up a kind of an internet TV kind of thing and did okay but yeah they got him back anyway um but, like, Max Rushton was there for far too long. Like, seriously. Yeah. Now, Sky, in my opinion, getting into that, I think, put all their money into Premier League rights because some of their TV is just shocking. Like, yeah. it's just not good enough. Like, they have these new, the new channels and Sky, Sky, I don't know why I did in Vertical Comics because no one can see no me. No can see uh, <laughs> The new channels like Sky Sports Premier League and we're going to have this uh, new magazine shows and chat shows and you're going, on paper, that sounds fantastic. And then they just get two of their old guard out of the stable to stand either side of the table and have a debate for half an hour okay. and I watched one of them and it was Merson and Chris Kamara and I'm, I'm no shame in saying it Chris Kamara terrible funny guy but he is shocking 
He's shocking. Uh, I, I didn't. He's shocking on a Sunday morning on that goals on Sunday or whatever it is. Yeah. And he was poor. Like, he was afraid to say anything. And his his, for, his reason why I have to go to these grounds. So uh, what's the point in having him on? There's no point in having him on. What's the point in having him on? Merson yeah. was brilliant. Whether you like him or not, it's his own opinion, and that's why I like Merson. Sometimes he's way off the mark, but at least it's his own. But it was terrible. And uh, they obviously put all their money into the rights because uh, they very little money else for proper good on the shows. And we talked briefly this morning uh, between ourselves <clears> about the, the coverage of the golf <sighs> in the USPGA, the fourth major. Yeah. Um, uh, what the name? Sky obviously missed out yeah. on, on, on it this but time. But that's down to more the PGA. The PGA are trying to mix it up a little bit for some reason. I don't know exactly in what reason. But they are trying to mix it up, and that's how it didn't happen for them in this one. And that's and the BBC jumped on it. All right. But, but again, the BBC aren't really getting... I'll press the red button and you can watch it all. Okay, and yeah. then they show about an hour at the very end. Well, I think, for me, I, I, know, I know a lot of people like the Sky coverage, but <laughs> I've always liked the BBC coverage. I've oh, yeah, Peter Allison is very good. Can't be Peter Allison. Can't be him. Yeah. Uh, Ursul Crystal. Do you know who Ursul Crystal is? No. Ursul Crystal was savagely murdered uh, okay. on the 11th of August. Ursul Crystal, okay. Nice happy note this morning. Good morning, everyone. Do you know who he is now? No. He is the world's oldest man and he was savagely murdered by Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> it continues. We did the course on the first show. I joked about this on Friday night with mate Tony. I went, ah, oh, some poor soul is gone. Yeah. So, of course... Uh, Ram- Ramsey will just he go the world's th- oldest man it, he, uh, did he survive Auschwitz he probably did no yeah. I've seen something he was 113 am I right in saying yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go so <laughs> 1st of May 2011 Ramsey scored Osama Bin Laden got knocked off <laughs> 2nd of October Ramsey scored Steve Jobs died 3 days later and we'll go through the whole uh, Gaddafi Whitney Houston, Paul Walker, <laughs> Robin Williams, David Bowie, Alan Rickman, Nancy Reagan. When and, uh, will this stop? Stop th- the madness, ma- Ramsey. He has to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, he's at it again. <laughs> you can't beat that. You should have waited till the MA. I don't know where to go now. Everything else is meaningless. Damn you, Ramsey. But yeah, quick mention of the USPGA. A guy called Kevin Kisner is winning. He's on seven under. Uh, Matsuyama's one shot off the lead. He's kind of who I'm up for today. I like Matsuyama. He's a good golfer. Yeah. And uh, Lowry and McElroy are both on plus four. Um, but I can't really tell you much else because, as I said, the coverage is shocking. I'm watching the athletics and then it's usually bedtime for me. And uh, as I said, it's on for an hour. I, I don't have air sports, so I haven't really watched a hell of a lot. I know it's tough. I know the greens are quick. But uh, the leaderboard isn't loaded with the big stars. There's one or two of them on the periphery, but it's it's a very wide open uh, field, so it could be a first time winner. And what's your thoughts on McIlroy? <sighs> um, it's hard to tell. Like obviously he's doing a lot of his own work now because he has his friend Harry Diamond on the bag. Um, I'm not saying that's too much because he actually played quite well the week before. Um, it's a tough course. It's a course he enjoys, but it was hard to like his driving on Thursday. The bits that I watched, it was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal. No one could touch him. Like, even Mickelson was on the green and he had to look back because he put one that close to the green. Right. It was like a 380-yard carry. Like, it was phenomenal. And then he sure, he had another Seve Ballesteros moment where he had this kind of a bit of a gap up a path through two bushes and trees and he still found it true and it actually hit the green and just rolled off it. But it was just incredible shoot. So, and his putting's half decent. It's like, it's like two or three holes he just... His brain switches off. Yeah. And that's what it is. He's playing 15 or 16 holes of great golf and then two holes he'll just disappear, drop three or four shots and it's, it's ruined. Rugby. Yes. 
Did you hear the comments from, let me get his name here. <laughs> I know where it is. I stayed, away. I stayed away from this. David Corkery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to read out, i just read out what he said. I think we're all partly, we all partly watch rugby because of the physical battles it produces, the big hits, the powerful mm-hmm. runs, the struggle at the scrum and so on. However, I simply do not like watching ladies knocking lumps out of each other. And before <laughs> any woman pro-right campaigner starts circling the wagons and looking to burn me at the stake, this is only my opinion. Ladies boxing and ladies MMA are two other sports I find really hard to watch. But it is up to me to tell people what they should, or it's not up to me, Tell yeah. them what they should and shouldn't do with their body. So it goes on. Jeez, it goes on for ages yeah. talking about it. But basically he's saying women shouldn't be in contact sports. Really? What's that all about? Yeah, I, I know. Like, that's real old school now. It is. It? Without a shadow and he's not, he's not, he'd be in his 40s, would he? Yeah, but at the same time, they're going ahead with it. Because it's a good piece because it makes it onto shows like this now. So, yeah. of course, whoever he the wrote it for. Yeah, whoever he wrote it for, we're obviously going, yeah, let's put it out there because obviously we're not mentioning it, but whatever the paper or media piece will get mentioned everywhere. Oh, yeah. such such piece, David Corkery's of this. <sighs> you know, there is opinions like that out there. I understand why. I don't agree with it. But at the same time, we're all allowed to do whatever we want to do, no matter whether you're brown if if man or woman if women's rugby wasn't entertaining and it oh, was a great drama yeah and it wasn't skillful well then you'd say okay right it, this is a bit embarrassing yeah but, but to say w- he didn't women, like the physical side is a bit yeah i think he's i think he's kind of just saying he doesn't really like watching women in sport it, it was yeah it, it, it was yeah it, he probably found his angle to try and say it but his real feeling yeah uh, but yeah I no, I read it the other day and I just laughed and went yeah leave, leave him at it let, yeah. him, let him enjoy his little moments he's, he's, that, we're gonna, that people are going to talk about him again he's out for drinks at John McEnroe tonight <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, speaking but, of women by the way my good yeah. friend uh, a quick nod to a few Irish uh, notes Michaela Walsh from Antrim won gold in the EU boxing championships yesterday and Kelly Harrington won silver and she lost to Potkin and their Russian who defeated Katie Taylor last year. Oh. So she's dropped down to that weight division because um, it's still limited in the Olympics. Um, I think they still only have three weights. So Kelly Harrington's dropped down to get ready for 2020, which, wait, where is it? Tokyo? Yeah, Tokyo. Um, so yeah, there's a gold and silver in that. And in girls under 18 basketball, uh, they're the first Irish team to reach a European final. They're in Division 2 of the European Championships and it's on in Tallis Stadium tonight. Oh, who? Who are they playing? I knew you'd say that because as soon as I said that, oh, he's going to ask me who they're playing. I went, yeah, I didn't go that far in. You should but, uh, tell me that Yeah, answer. of course. And um, yeah, so they're going to get promoted to Division 1. So they're going to be up against all the big guys of Europe next year or the big girls of Europe next year. Um, but yeah, it's first European final for any uh, Irish basketball team. So phenomenal result. Good. And uh, yeah. What do you make of uh, Danny Rose? <laughs> uh, yeah, typical. Typical new football, uh, and apparently the dressing room were delighted because they said, well, at least one of us did it. So he took the bullet for the team because apparently they're all chuffed with him. Right. Because they all think the same. They're all high-fiving him going, yeah, well done, but you took the bullet. Yeah, yeah. And they were taking it back and Pochettino as well, forgiving him, but he might have done what he had to do. It's a bit, it's, there's a bit of unrest there because nothing's been done. Yeah. Nothing. Big game today now. They'll have to show up. Big really? game, uh, they're away to Newcastle. Newcastle, So it's yeah. a big game for them today now because that's put a lot of pressure on them. Well, if they, if they don't win, all of a sudden they're... They're questioning a whole lot. There's questions things, no matter what. So if they don't win and the lads play well, it's all oh, Pochettino lost the dressing room. But if the players aren't performing, oh, if they all down tills, you know, because something's gone wrong. But it's is it? It's not really Pochettino's fault. If they've brought them the wages, that's not him. He yeah. doesn't pay them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's one of them. It's put a lot of pressure on them for today. Um, Premier League. Oh yeah. So let's talk about 
because you you like the the, the Liverpool side. Let's <laughs> give your take on Liverpool. Ah, uh, Liverpool. Uh, nothing's changed. Uh, simple as that. Uh, we've a bit more depth up front now, obviously, because we missed Coutinho and Lallana yesterday. Um, but Salah definitely won't just fill the void. He might even improve it. Uh, I'm not going to make any bold statement about it so far, but pre-season looked good, and then he decided to bring it into the form yesterday, which is fantastic. But him and Manny are full of pace. Watford, you know, parking the bus against Liverpool is what stops us. Watford at home started to get up for it, started to push a bit more, and once they did that, they were open all hours in the two. But like Salah was about 30 yards off one of them, maybe 20 yards, I'm exaggerating here, off the, the counter-attack, and by the end he was at the front and he was passed through and he just put it, he should have gone to the back post yeah. but he went front post but yeah him and Mane looked seriously dangerous of course Firmino in my opinion would be kind of the brains of the tree he'd, he'd be a bit clever and he'll probably end up with more assists than anything because the two boys are just phenomenal pace yeah. Yeah. Um, and if Coutinho stays he'll probably do what he's done in pre-season and feed them quite easily um, so we'll see what happens but yeah defence open all hours again so again yeah you go into the defence yeah. and uh, Virgil van Dijk yeah, who didn't yeah. is non-existent that's yeah. Southampton at the moment yeah. and there's obviously all that talk and Liverpool probably can't put any bid in because of the tapping up yeah they're probably waiting for Chelsea or someone to put a bid in so they can yeah. put a counter bid in so yeah. there's a, it's very stagnant there with them yeah. and they really need to do something don't they Oh yeah, like the great debate yesterday uh, was between Redknapp and Carragher where Redknapp thinks it, it could almost solve everything and Carragher's gone, it will solve little or nothing. It might, it might stop a couple of goals but he says it's the way they play overall, not just set pieces because Redknapp was really adamant. Now in fairness, he had a point yesterday because the ball came in from the corner. Matip probably should have won it. Firmino was in the middle where it was, didn't do anything about it and Lovren was nowhere to be found and this guy Okaka, the biggest lad on the pitch, completely unmarked, on his own, buried it. But probably Matip was in the zone, because it looks like they do zonal defending. Just kind of went turtle head. He kind of stuck his head in. Kabul went head, like went hell for letter for it, just missed it. But Matip was right in front of it, and he probably should have won it. So you can blame now. So that's what Redknapp was jumping on. Oh, Van Dijk had been there. He would have won the header, and that would have been it. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a problem. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll... Let towards, the do it. Well, I think towards the end of the show, I think we'll come back to the Premier League and assess... A, yeah. a lot of their squads and stuff like that. We we, we have the spare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the spare ten minutes. Yeah, and we've come to that clip with. Uh, we've yeah, got to start with the clip with yeah, Redknapp Red and Carragher. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to Liffy Side on ninety six point four FM. <laughs> Welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. A little bit of dancing. Are you Excuse me about that ugly hitch. I was trying to get into a bit too early there. <laughs> yeah, 87 0627138, the big kickoff at 94 6.4 at gmail.com. I got that right, didn't I? And uh, if you're listening to us on TuneIn, great. But if, if, if you're missing out on the show, uh, always go back to the podcast. Just a little shout out, Shannon. I just want to jump in. My sister and a couple of my mates, uh, 
who are literally out there at the moment in the park. Uh, the Rock and Roll Half Martin's on today. Oh, yeah. So hopefully if anyone's listening, hopefully that'll get you going. And uh, yeah, if you want to listen to us talk tosh and make you kind of forget the pain. I'd say... Riptide are actually uh, the headline act. Oh, are they? I think they're... Because the, there's a band every clo- uh, every mile. Right. And I think they're the one at the end at uh, Finks Park and then the, a bit of a gig afterwards. Now I'm just thinking, I got a Facebook message off someone who said they had a free number and they wanted to give it to me. I have no idea why they wanted to give it to me. But uh, I looked it up then and it looked really good. Yeah, really, yeah. Really, really a bit good. of a party on afterwards and the whole lot and you get a free unalcoholic, non-alcoholic beer and all afterwards and get a gig. Well, that's not worth it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, funniest commentary ever. So when we look through funniest commentary ever, there's quite a bit. Yeah. This one, because we'll have to come back to it, Shano, so I just want to st- start off. It's a bit football-based today because you just can't help it because they're just classic. Yeah, well, they're all classics. So yeah, yeah. This one is, I suppose, it's in America. You always have to throw in America. We could have got more American uh, commentary. Absolutely. This one is, uh, <laughs> well, this is how he describes uh, uh, the 30 yards. Carly screen. Lloyd. In fairness, it's America against Switzerland, the international, and Carly Lloyd, who will be their big star. She played at Man City there last year. Hits an absolute belter from about 30 yards, and uh, this is the reaction yeah, from the camera. Yeah, he puts a spin on it. <laughs> implement that same quickness on the attack. Lloyd will try a long hit. What a goal from Lloyd. This is spectacular. It's hit with no regard for humanity. It's hit with no regard for humanity. <laughs> it's hit with no regard for humanity. Yes, all right. You won't hear, um, you won't hear George Hammond commentators the best. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, oh, I think we should play the next one and just let's see if anyone can guess who actually scored this goal. Yeah, because it's obviously not in our native tongue. Am I right in saying that? It's not in our native it's tongue. It's in his. Well, have a guess who scored let's the goal. Let's see if you get it. Frank de Boer spelt the ball. Heel goed naar Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp neemt de bal aan. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Who it is yet? Whatever he says, brilliant. Frank the girl, the bar, Frank, it's happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dennis Bear can be. It kind of sounded like the the Swedish chef from the Muppets there. <laughs> birdie, birdie, birdie. Uh, that was a great goal against Argentina in the World Cup in France in '98. Like when, a classic goal, in fairness. And it was a good World Cup for him because he could only get the train to France, obviously, because he doesn't want to oh, get into France right. anymore. Because it was actually the USA World Cup that did it. They had a, an awful flight over to America. And uh, that was it then. After that, he said, right, no more. So he got the flight back. And then that was it. That's why he used to get the trains. Trains out into your, whatever to the Champions else. League yeah. and stuff and like that. Wasn't there games he missed out There was one or Russia. two he missed. He yeah. basically just said, no, nope, I'm going nowhere. And that's the end of it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, yeah. So I was in France. So if, only, if it was somewhere else, we would have never seen that. We've never seen it. <laughs> who's next? Uh, who's next? We have, well, I think... This should be another guess as well because it's something similar themed. It's uh, their native, but it's the end of the game. It's not the actual goal, the famous goal that everyone knows about. But it's more the end of the game, and it's just this just, just the sheer joy of a little minnow uh, slaying one of their giants. Uh, listen, I'll let this. Uh, I won't say where he's from. Take it away. Where 
are never going home was the last quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I do boy is basically it's over. Uh that's uh, obviously I can't think of the guy's name. Uh actually Goodmunder Benedictson of Iceland when they famously knocked uh, England out of the uh, Euros there. And uh, he went ballistic. Oh, yeah, we're never stop. going home, we're going to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was another great one. And um you know, the list is endless. Um what have we got next? Uh, you had a Brian Kerr one, didn't you? Ah, uh, Brian Kerr. Now, this is literally just a little clip. I was trying to find the one of Brian Kerr. It was, I think it was in it was uh, in the Tallah Stadium, the one I was trying to get. And it's just typical Brian Kerr, typical dub. One of us, uh, a ball went down for a corner, and they weren't quite sure how it happened. But you remember the famous clip in England where the defender went to overhead kick it, but he overhead kicked it into his face yeah, and it went yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, Well, this is kind of what happened. <laughs> well, not this one, but the one I was trying to find yesterday, that's how it happened out for a corner, but they were a bit unsure how it happened. And uh, they showed the replay, and of course, he smacked it into his face and went down for the corner and goes, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Dara, he hit himself in the mush. <laughs> And uh, But this one is something a bit similar. He's talking about spores in Europe, and uh, it's a little seven-seconder. I'm not going to say any more, but you can hear first, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a little giggle after, because it's not what you'd expect. But I don't know whether spores have enough jizz to get a goal on the break. <laughs> <laughs> don't have enough jizz. <laughs> I don't know what they do I think in Brian... the dressing room before the game, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to forget where he is. Ah, uh, stop! I'm sure the lads in the in the in the booth were thinking, "Did he just say that?" Yes, he did. So yeah, Spurs, and you never know. And it certainly looks like they have it this year. They don't have enough jizz in the squad this year at the moment. Anyway, they definitely don't have. <laughs> F and Eddie, F and Eddie. Uh, listen, we don't do a lot of uh, GAA, but of course, when we do, it's him. obviously a bit on so, the funny side. But this is F and Eddie. You he's can tell with, me about him. He's uh, from. Arhalo GAA and he does his commentary on all their their Gaelic football possibly Hurling I'm not sure about the Hurling I think he does the Hurling too uh, commentary but this is in the county final uh, 2011 could it be it could be back then and here right. he's renowned throughout Ireland now because of of this commentary and uh, well I think we'll let F and Eddie do his stuff <laughs> is it in the name is it no <laughs> Because I'm a bit nervous about pressing player because I haven't heard this. How effing is effing Eddie? <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, it's 1-1 for Allah. North Corfanina. And he comes back. So what the hell is his name? He kicked a low ball and can't be have it, have he? And the referee is looking around and acting of Mickey. And he's coming out just as if there's no one near him. Out of what he is that's a fucking penalty. The bollocks, bollocks of a rip. What is going on at all? Oh, my Yes, I think I'm going to get sick after that beer yesterday. <laughs> I'm not well. He's giving a penalty. That bollocks is giving a... Ref, will you come back up? A brilliant day by the young Shea and all for Allah. And the game is over, Allah, obviously, man. Allah, don't the champion, don't let anybody have football. What a victory. Oh, mother God, there'll be a big night in the lane. I think I feel like getting sick. It's definitely, probably, the, one of the greatest days in Ahaloy in GA circumstances. <laughs> I think we're going to be sick after all that beer yesterday. It's going to be some night in the Glen. Jeez, the referee's acting to Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Is so, he the guy, uh, it's a game of two halves, the first half and the second half? Oh, I don't know. There's another famous one. Is I don't know whether it's that guy as well now, but he, uh, brilliant. Oh, uh, right. F and Eddie. Yeah, so I'm showing you, you played that one on the slide, it is F Yeah, and yeah, I wanted to <laughs> see. By name and by nature. I wanted to see your reaction there, see. <laughs> See what you came up with. So we've uh, a, a darting moment. Yeah, uh, good old Sid Waddell, unfortunately, uh, 
he's five years in the last few days and I got a text actually uh, off one of the boys and it's about three or four pictures of screenshots of people on Twitter were kind of like oh yeah great man and blah blah and everyone's sending in their best quotes and we can run off a few of them after this one now these aren't even a rundown of his classic ones this is just a classic match between Barney and Taylor and Blackpool in the world match play but even this alone, it's about a minute and a half, and he still throws in some perlers. And these aren't even his famous ones. So this is from one match alone. So obviously, he was in the humour. Uh, so yeah, this is just a bit of a highlight of one game alone, let alone... Just the one game? This is just one game. Barney Taylor in the World Match Play in, Bla in Blackpool. Anyway, we'll, t we'll, let, we'll let Sid uh, do what he does best. Tiger Woods and Joe, watch this. You'd hit that pin a lot cleaner if you copied Taylor. Who will do highway robbery on the off? Tungsten dreams on your telly. Darling, any chance of a comeback? That's what Brissy said. Brissy did a ricket, turned his back on the Queen when he got the biggest, you know. And going like a greedy gannet. 100 swooping on dolphins. Well, if pirates had been like that when I was younger, I might have gone on the high seas. Hello, sailor. I'm glad he's not pointing my boat outwards over the Irish Sea. <laughs> well, I had to have electrolyte drinks then too. They were sweating like a pair of giraffes coming up to a mirage waterhole. This is a very, very great patch by Taylor. Sort of patch you see on a tramp's pants. That's uh, Matty Taylor. With the Blues Brothers look, I didn't realise they had uh, fedoras in Stoke. Uh, yesterday, bounce one in, half an inch off the line. Get it again! I don't believe me, Jordi! Again! What is the melting point of people's larynxes? Because I'm getting near! This is real. Promenades, promenades. And everyone's got... Tiger Woods and oh, Joe there we go. Wanted to hear it again. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, everyone's missing Sid. But that. yeah, like good old, <laughs> good old Sid. Um, obviously, five years ago, only a couple of days ago, and uh, as I said, there was. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading them out loud. I'm reading them here before I even saying them out loud. But yeah, a couple of people. Uh, obviously, it's a couple of screenshots from Twitter, and obviously, everyone's put on their classics. And uh, <laughs> the first one, now, in fairness, this came up a lot. And uh, I'm not going to do the accent because, yeah, whatever. But uh, <laughs> the atmosphere is so tense. If Elvis walked in with a portion of chips, you could hear the vinegar sizzle on them. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> you couldn't get a better looking audience if you served Botox with a pie and chips. <laughs> How did he come up with them? Jockey Wilson, what an athlete. <laughs> what an athlete, yeah. He was the poorest thing from an athlete, you could say. I can only sum up that in one word. World-class darts. <laughs> <laughs> Four legs on the trot. This is strictly come darting. <laughs> <laughs> there's just... There's just so many. He looks about as happy as a penguin in a microwave. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what he had for breakfast, but Taylor knocked a snap, crackle and pop out of Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus, this... You wondered... Like... 
he must have thought it is and had them down on that. Uh, now, this guy is a genius. He went to Oxford or Cambridge, wherever Stephen Fry went. As I said, Stephen Fry was with him one night, uh, famously, a couple of years ago, because um, they went to school together. So this guy is highly intelligent, but right. he's one of the people kind of thing, and uh, his love of darts took over, and his, his, uh, his choice of words. And just the last one, I love this one. I always remember this one. It's about a little quote about Eric Bristow, where he says, when Alexander of Macedonia was 33, he cried salt tears because there was no more worlds to conquer. Bristol's only 27. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to the Big Geek Off here at 96.4. If you want to listen to us on TuneIn Radio, if you're outside the area, or obviously check us out on the podcast on our Facebook page. Uh, we're going back to 1992. The Premier League starts off this week, my good sir, and... Are you trying to tell me a message there? No, no, I'm telling myself a message. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, 1992, basically the reason why is the Premier League's back and it's 25 years old this year. And obviously, that would go back to 92. 1992. 25 yeah. years old. Who scored the first goal? Ah, good old Brian Dean of Leeds United. I think it was within the first minute or two. Although somebody, uh, Lacazette, did he equal it or beat it this week? Oh, the, the fastest goal? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Something, that. it was mentioned in the commentary, but I didn't jump on it. So, uh, but yeah, Brian Dean for Leeds, I couldn't tell you who, but uh, uh, yeah. That was the that was the the start of it, and obviously it was won by I presume it was United won the very first league, the Premier League, didn't they? That was their first title. No, what is it? Was it? Yeah, I think so. I think the very first. Remember the famous first one where Bruce and Robson lifted it. That was a Premier League trophy, as far as I'm aware. I think I should know this, but yeah, I th- I think that was their first title. Okay. I go with you on that one. If I, you want, I, I, I'll tell you what we do. When we have the song, I look at <laughs> <We're> Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so everything we say is not always true, people. No. Just so you're, I'm not claiming to be an expert. This is this is shy talk, basically. This, this and is uh, two guys come in people who think they know what they're talking about. That's no, we're not going to try and pretend to be something we're not here, lads. Right? <laughs> oh, I think uh, Liverpool won it that year. <laughs> in my head, they did anyway. Yeah. Like every other. Blood. Anyway, anyway. Denmark, obviously, we won't we went to, crack we, on too we much because we did this a couple of years ago. But that was what phenomenal. A feat that was. Uh, well, obviously, we missed out. Um, that was the qualification with England, wasn't it? Was it England? Yeah, we yeah. Messed it up. England and Poland and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the Euros. Don't remember a hell of a lot about it uh, except obviously that leg break. I always remember that leg break in the final was in there? Denmark. Yeah, was there? Yeah, there was an awful bone pointing where it shouldn't be pointing, oh, and the, the poor fellow had an absolute oh, melt. John Jensen scoring because that's the only goal I ever remember him scoring. But, uh, yeah, and England melting down, Lineker being substituted and thrown oh, the arm band away. Wasn't it? Yeah, for Alan Smith. Lord rest him. Do I not like that? Ah, stop. You just got me the sack, you, but that's another. Yeah, remember the yeah, Hol- yeah, was it Holland? That, or was, Holland. that was that was for the ninety four World yeah, Cup, wasn't correct. it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. You just got me the sack. <laughs> Phil Neal just turned out to be a yes man. He just repeated everything, <laughs> everything he said. Everything he said, uh, yeah. Uh, I can't no. believe that. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Do I not like that? I not like that. Uh, <laughs> so, ugly kid Joe tried to come in earlier on, but obviously going to go with him now. But uh, this is a classic from back then. This is everything about you.
Song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rock and uh, roll half Martin. Keep it going, lads. Come on, you're nearly there. Another twelve miles to go. You can do it. <laughs> Big kickoff, ninety six point four FM on this <laughs> You kinda of forget what you're doing sometimes in a certain song, don't you? So we're back in time. The oh, year no, is nineteen ninety-two and Barcelona. Manchester better go back Sorry, to Manchester United won the first Premier League. Okay. Seems we knew that uh, off the cuff. Um don't mess with the brain. Second year Manchester United won it, and it was the third year uh, Blackburn, Blackburn won it. But why it doesn't, it's not really significant to me is is because I, I don't really get the whole Premier League and the way they separate them. Separate them. Yeah, yeah. Because top Leeds, division, top division. I wasn't sure if Leeds had won the first Premiership. Bar, they were the last. They were the last first division winners. First division winners. Like yeah. it, it's less relevant yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So there you go. So Man United won. Actually, who came second at third? Aston Villa and Norwich City. <laughs> Both in the championship. Both championship now. Mad. Mental. Yeah. Who have we got? What? Why are you looking? What? Oh. I thought there was more there. Can no, I, that's it. Can I, I sing Barcelona again? You can sing Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> Good old Freddy. Freddy and some opera chick. <laughs> so the Olympics? Uh, summer of 92 Olympics. Um, it was memorable for so many things like uh, the dream team. Very first dream team. Oh yeah, the uh, basketball, uh, which we all know and love. Because at the time, I think they used to show a lot of it on RT Two at the time, so we were mad into it anyway. So it wasn't just something we jumped on for the summer, but just off the top of my head, some of the players like there you was know, Dave Robinson and Carl Malone, the mailman, and Clyde Drexler and John Stockton, and of course Magic and uh, Magic Johnson and uh, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. I'm deaf, Scotty Pippen, and I'm probably missing two or three absolute legends, Patrick Ewing. Like I practically know the whole team. There's twelve in the squad, and I think I've rhymed most of them off. They, they were. It was incredible, and of course they turned it on, and it was the best. Every year was good, but this was the best one because some of the stuff was almost Harlem Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. It was fascinating to watch. Yeah, and yeah. they had a blast. That was a, one of the first ones I remember. Anyhow, and, and they had a blast. Yeah. yeah, and then of course we had Derek Redmond. Do you remember Derek Redmond? You'll remember the clip, poor fella, four hundred meter semi final, around the last bend, pulled up with a hamstring. No, and uh, his dad came onto the field and helped him. He put his arm yes. around his shoulder and helped him finish, and he yes. was in tears. And yeah. straight away, you're thinking, one moment <laughs> in time, you know. But <laughs> and another interesting fact: Hasiba Bulmerka. I remember this because obviously I love me athletics. But uh, she was, jeez, I think I put down the country where she was from. Um, I think it was Algeria. But anyway, she was. Uh, she left to go to Europe because uh, she was from one of the Muslim states, and uh, she was shown to be shown off too much of her body because she was wearing just oh. the normal stuff that you see today yeah 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 and uh, they kind of she was they were they, she received death threats and everything did she yeah but uh, she brought home the gold so I'm sure a lot of them got over fairly quick she won the 1500 metre gold that's right and uh, obviously the lunchbox that is Linford Christie won gold in 92 
Oh, yes, yes. And I used to hate it. I used to hate after the race. <laughs> the yeah. Kind of focusing. Yeah. And you, you're <laughs> yeah. not looking at anything else. And you're like, and fair play to the commentators just to keep talking. Because I'd be like, sorry, I can't talk. Yeah. Look at that. Don't get excited, Linford. Don't get excited. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, did he get caught for drugs? I'm not sure. I, or was it just insinuated? I think it was potentially insinuated. But I think he skipped the drugs. There was something near the end of his career, all right, that kind of blotted his... Uh, copybook, but I'm not exactly sure. And then obviously another British famous one that time was Sally Gunnell. She yeah. won the 400 meter hurdles, which is uh, uh, well known. But I think we all know what we really want to talk about in the 92 Olympics. Well, Ireland had a, a, a decent run, and I think they were the only two medals of the. Oh, what were? Oh, de- what are you going to say? Another decent run about Ireland? No, we had Olympics? Michelle Smith. She was 96, mate. Was she 96? Atlanta, yeah. Was she? Bill Clinton was shaking her hands and the whole lot, and she, he went to see her. That's when I was wearing holiday, so. Yeah. Atlanta 96, mate. Unfortunately. Okay. Told you, don't mess with the rain. Don't mess with the rain. <laughs> 92, so the bo- it was boxing. It was a famous Saturday morning. I had training with Hillcrest, and I've never <laughs> been late for training, really. But I was late that day. But we were all late. It was incredible. Literally, within half an hour and hour of each other, we won gold and silver with Wayne McCulloch, and obviously famously with Michael Crute. Uh, just an unbelievable morning. And obviously, Crute was up against a big bad Cuban, Hernandez, and yeah. He got to, he got to the final. That's good enough. Typical yeah. Ireland, you yeah. know, take yeah. a medal and go. But uh, he didn't. He decided to go toe to toe and came up with the goods. It's uh, obviously boxing's always been one of yeah. our, our our main it's events. Are, yeah. uh, apart from the last of them bigs that we yeah. had, which uh, was a disaster. Um, Did we have anyone else? Well, Wayne McCulloch won silver. Wayne McCulloch won silver. Yeah, and I think I can't remember if he was before or after. But it was literally within an hour, and he won silver. Like he's a, he lost to, I think he lost to a Cuban as well. But you know, his style was fantastic to watch. He was yeah. just a busybody, just true thing, and that's why he always had a, he was always well liked and loved in America when he went professional because he just doesn't stop. Uh, incredible uh, work rate. But obviously, it's famously for Carruth and the famous jump when he gets, he doesn't even get the, the hand doesn't even get above his shoulder because uh, he just can't believe it. And. Do we have a clip? Oh, we do. Oh, Jimmy McGee is talking about it here. And, and it's going to come in to the moment where Jimmy McGee is basically explaining who Hernandez is. And yeah, typical Ireland. Like, we've no chance, but, you know, Crude obviously taught otherwise. And uh, it's literally about a minute and a half long. And obviously the famous bit where he, he gets the hand lifted. But uh, yeah, it just starts off with McGee giving you a little background into what Hernandez is about. Have against Juan Hernandez, who seemed to me as if he was never beaten. He was the world champion. He was the Olympic champion. He was everything. They had to get Michael to slightly change his style to box the great Hernandez. So tactically, a very good contest for Michael Cruz. He did what he was told in the corner, bided his time, took it his own pace, and really just got the better of Hernandez, who just couldn't believe that he was going to be beaten. It's something special in your own life when that lump comes in your throat, and you know that you have to keep going because you're on the air live. But the lump is there, and you battle through it, and it was there that day. He just didn't know where to go. No, there. Champion, <laughs> champion. God love him like he did. And it was. It was one of them special days, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. But any time, you get such pride out of any time oh, you get yeah. an Irish medal. Because they, they don't, they're it's not so easy. Rare. Yeah, it's so hard to get. I, uh, I, it was a Friday afternoon in Tesco Nice. The big, all other uh, supermarkets are available. <laughs> but I was in the one in Nice, and it's a big, huge one. And it was a Friday afternoon. I was ringing one of the boys, one of the other lads on the road. And I was down one of the aisles, and all of a sudden, I kind of literally bumped into him. And I literally walked away, and I went... You're not going to believe it, but I'm literally 
standing beside an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. And you're like, well, who? And I went, oh, I'm going to hang up on you. But like, that's how rare it is. Yeah. There's only two of them in Ireland. At the, well, unless Michelle Smith has still got them. But uh, oh, it's just has. incredible. She has. Oh, we, we, we <laughs> still have. I don't know how many she does, but we're still claiming them. Right, what song? Last song from 94. Right, this was a great debate. Whatever about the great debate that's about to come up, this was a great debate debate this morning. We had about 15 songs to choose from because with 92, you have to go classic dance. But in fairness, I left this one to last because even though it wasn't a great debate, I knew as soon as I said this one, we both say yes. So let's just say it's SL2 with On A Ragged Tip. Okay, and welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. You're listening to the big kickoff. Again, uh, any text 0870627138 and the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com for any emails you want to send in about any topics at all. Today, great debate. So we have Richie Farrell from, uh, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll let the two lads introduce themselves a little 30-second <laughs> snippet. We've got Richie Farrell and Brendan Kennedy who have... Uh, Happily skipped into the studio. Uh, Richie, give us a 30-second background about yourself and football. Um, played senior football with Jerry Orchard. Then I played with Bally Frame United. And about 25 years ago, I decided that I'd go into coaching. And I went into the schoolboy section. And up to today, I loved every minute of it. So I'm um, looking forward to the interview with Roy this morning to discuss the, the topics. Great. Brendan? Morning, Roy. Uh, my background would have been involved in uh, Leinster Senior League football uh, prior to being a, a couple of seasons League of Ireland at 18-19 and came back into the league retired there about 36 or so came back in involved in uh, coaching then got involved in uh, the IFA licence and that and going through the youth cert and again just coaching now in, ju- in junior section and looking after Stella Mars Academy at the moment Great so that means we have two people who have the perfect uh knowledge for what we're going to talk about which is the first topic is is coaching young kids to win wrong so what basically we're talking about do you do you see coaches at a match situation you know like going for a kill in small-sided games is it wrong to have a competitive attitude to the small-sided games or is it all just let them play brendan I think yeah, it's important that the kids need to learn that um, there is a fun side of football, absolutely, and I think that's most important in small side. But I think we can't hide as well from the fact that even though we're playing non-competitive now in the summer section, that the league still asks for scores for grading. They still ask for scores to see where teams are at. So even at this stage, we're using the non-competitive bracket. But I think in even a young football we're still grading teams and grading players. So, although we're not playing to win, we're still playing to be competitive. Yeah, I think I think kids now themselves, they know, I mean, the natural element of football is go and score a goal 
and don't let the other score a goal. So they already know that there's a winning and losing situation. But would you say that it's probably parents that are coaches that maybe push the element of listen, you need to go out here and win. Uh, I'm, I'm taking you off, Bobby. We need to try and get uh, push on and get the, the equaliser here when there's no results at all whatsoever. Uh, do, Richie, do you think, what do you see on, uh, in the small side of the game uh, down at Luca? Well, it all comes from, from the academy level. If, if you have your academy right and the structures are right in your academy and you're doing the right things from academy right into that force year to go into the, the league games at five aside. We we have to all all of a sudden you have to say get ten players in Cardiff to play five aside football. It was very 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 important to get the things right there. It's not about winning or losing at that stage. It's about the, the, the kids going out to have a lot of fun and the parents play a major, major role in that development. We as coaches when they come into the academy we're just getting prepared for the voice with football. I don't think you can teach kids how to win. I think that will come competitively enough, even in games when you see five-a-side football. Naturally. Naturally, it's a natural ability to come out. You can't teach a kid. You can't say to a kid, look, you're going to be able to win this morning. We as coaches in academies do the right things from the very, very beginning. Make sure they have a lot of fun. Kids are coming into the environment they've never been in before. They're meeting kids for the first time. And it's very, very important for we as co- coaches and parents to make sure that kid fits in. And... In fairness to the leagues and the clubs, you have two or three years with kids before they go and play football. So it's very, very important that they go into the right league and the right standard. As you, as you know, we have red, blue, yellow, pink yeah. leagues. And I think that's very, very important for clubs and coaches to get that right before they go in and play matches. That they're not going out and getting beaten 6, 7 and 8 nil. Every player, every kid has a standard of football, and there's a standard of football there for every child. And I think that's the most important thing. So when they go to play a five-side match, that they're at the right level from the get-go. Yeah. Participation trophies. So you get a, a situation where, I don't know, maybe it's a, a sports day or a, fa- a family fun day or whatever. Participation trophy. I'm not sure about participation trophies. Uh, just getting a medal just for turning up. What do you reckon, Brendan? Um, I think when somebody has an invitational tournament or a friendly tournament or something like that, I think that I wouldn't have a problem with that because, you know, look, I think every kid, win, lose or draw, you know, in a group or no matter where the team finishes on the day, I think in little tournaments like that, I think it's I think it's a nice gesture from clubs yeah. that also makes uh, kids and parents appreciate that their son may not win an ultimate final, but they win something on the day. Yeah. Uh, I think if you're doing it every weekend and every kind of match you play, I don't particularly agree with it because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of parents bring their kids to football to have a have a, a bit of fun, they're there to enjoy, but they have to understand that there is a goal eventually when you play any sport that uh, part of being a training and playing your match is participation enough. But it I is. think small little tournaments that are pre-season, uh, within, the, within your breaks in your leagues, where to invite again, I think the, the, the little trophy and tournaments and our medals or certificates, um, which, which, which we do at our academy for the kids when they play matches, it's just a case of saying, listen, thanks very much for coming. And that those teams appreciate the small gesture you make as a club and they, they want to return to 
to your club mm-hmm. season in, season out. And I think they help as well groom clubs to meet different coaches, different yeah. different entities, and that you're not fighting to nail to get a friendly either. That teams want to come. Um, because it's only a small gesture. So the competition is still important that you have that competition. Uh, what about when it gets older? So it's all well and fine when you have four, five, six, seven, maybe eight year olds. But when it gets to 11, 10, 11, 12 year olds, are participation trophies uh, desirable then? Richie, do you think that just handing out a, a trophy for being there on the day is something that benefits kids or does it give them? The, the wrong signal saying well listen you can just turn up and, and, you're, a, and you're a champion well the most important thing about fun day is that they are fun days and I think it's really important that there's something for each kid at the end of it I think when parents bring kids to fun days that's what they're meant to be it's not, it's not meant to be a competitive tournament so as Brendan said rightly so if you're only doing them once once or twice a year that's acceptable but if you're doing them every weekend and giving a child a medal every weekend then there's no fun in it. People know they're going to go, or players know, well, I'm going to get a medal here today. They have to learn, you know, do they achieve this medal? Did I win it properly? So if it's a fun day, that's not an issue, because that's what it's about. And what about the non-competitive leagues uh, they have in the DDSL now, in the schoolboy league here in Ireland? Um, are you for that? Well, the, the way it works in, 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 in the DDSL, you I mean, as, as you rightly said, we talk, we talk about blue, red, orange and yellow. Football is a competitive game. It doesn't matter if you're playing one-on-one in the street. It's a competitive. Once there's a goal at the end of it, that makes the game competitive. As I said, to some kids, very competitive. And some kids just go out with their friends, have a game of ball, and that's it. But with the leagues, the way the leagues are structured, if you have a red league your top players going into, in, into that red league. Then, so on. As, as I said already, you, you have to make sure that your players are going into the right league. Yeah. If they're going into the red league, probably which are, the colours are probably wrong, I think the red league is the top league. That's going to be the future of the, the top players coming out for the foreseeable future. Yeah. The players are going to go up and down on the standard of the player. So it is competitive. If you want to be the, the best player, most players at this stage would say, well, why am I in the Red League? So that is competitive. So it doesn't make a difference then about the league table. It's the in-game situation. As long as that's competitive, it doesn't matter about the league tables because that's just a distraction. Well, Roy, you and I know we go and watch games up in Lucan, week yeah. in and week out. It doesn't matter if it's a 5 side, orange, blue, pink game. It's competitive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's it is competitive. But... Parents have to understand, and players have to understand as well, that you're not going to win a league at under fives. It's not, it's not right. I think the best thing they've ever done was took the trophies out of the games. Yeah. But as Brandon rightly said, there's a standard you have to reach. So if you want to be the top player, if you're playing the league under the top league, and you want to get to the top league, you're going to be competitive in the league you're playing in. That's why, it, you know, there's a grading system, as you all know. I think it's every six months or every year. Yeah, every six teams are Teams are switched up and teams are switched down. So if you're in the Red League, you want to stay in the Red League. So that's competitive. Yeah. You don't want to end up in, in the second tier. It makes no difference if you're playing in the Premiership or Championship in England. It's a stride you have to get to. And that's, that's what players are trying to get to. Do you think that 
the non-competitive, as in no league tables, part. Um, could that go older, or is it fine? At so what ages? It's up to under twelves now, isn't it? That's where the league. It's up. Yeah, uh, it's up. up it's a nine-a-side football under twelves. So I think it's under thir- is it twelves or thirteens at the league tables. The league tables come in under thirteen. 14. That's at eleven side. It is stops it? at twelve. Stops at under twelve. Right. So the nine-a-side at twelve. Could it go further? Could it go to fifteens? Or do you need to bring that element in at that age? I, th- I think I think you you have to get competitive somewhere though. You know what I mean. You have to get competitive somewhere and kind of I suppose you some depending on the coaches like some obviously structures. You, you look at academies in England. You look at different you know clubs around Europe. They have a certain age group where it's trying to play, trying to trying to fun, yeah. trying to compete, and then trying to win. So you, I suppose the hard bit is where do you find you you're trying to compete. So probably I think 12s to 14s is a good level to compete yeah. because from 14s up every everybody is playing to win playing yeah. because to win. you're looking at your Kennedy Cups, your league representations. Also, you got the likes of the NDSL have a, a you know academy like an Emerging Talent Academy, mm-hmm. the FEI Emerging Talent Academy. You have the DDSL setting one up in Abbottstown. So we're getting competitive anyway, yeah. and they're all playing league represent football already. From tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens in the 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 local or the, the national associations, county academy t- uh, setups anyway. Yeah. So, well, even though it's non-competitive, tens, elevens, when they go to their their, their league centres, they're playing against other leagues and they're playing in tournaments and they're yeah. playing. They're going up the north. They're going around Ireland. Yeah. They're playing. We have a, a fella coming in in a couple of weeks' time talking to him. We're supposed to have him in a while ago, Marco Sullivan, and he's over in Sweden, uh, Sweden with AIK, isn't it? Yeah, Stockholm. But he is uh, a regional officer there as well. He's from Cork, and he's a regional officer over there. And they have put it up to under 15s now, where they have no league tables at all over there whatsoever. And it's just go out and play. And as, but as you said, though, so I, I, that's what I'm saying. Is there? Is it, too late? It, is it? When does the league tables come in? When should you bring it? In? Because they feel that it doesn't need to come in. They say exactly like you are saying. The competitive edge there, anyhow, to play in the games. What age though? Do you need to put that extra bit of competitiveness in? That's and, and that's it. So Ireland says twelve, and, and and they say and they say fifteen, sixteen. Um, I suppose that's the debate. What's your, what's your thought? I think to be fair, you could push the age bracket wherever you wanted, but I think it's no use if your structures are poor. Yeah. And I think in Ireland, in fairness, and air set up, we rush things too much. There's a new idea. Let's go and do it. We don't put any transition into it, <coughs> like the recent change from summer from winter season to soccer to summer season it was just saying this is what we're going take a three month break there was, a, happens. There, was a, there was a mini three month non-competitive league if you want to call it with a final at the end but did we really put any thought into what it was going to take I know so many coaches and, and people I know in football that they're going out there's no opposition there's kids on holidays there's parties yeah. there's Gaelic that there's a lot of teams in three I know one manager in I think 16 weeks played five games no, uh, that's yeah. all he had and the league they're top of the league yeah. so I don't even think the under 15 elite uh, premier in a uh don't even think they had their final in the end. You've had two exactly. teams pull out of 15 DDSL yeah. already. Joey's yeah. have gone to Bray and there's another team. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's, it's gone. They're gone already. And yeah. that's under 15. And we're saying that's the pinnacle of your starting um, standard yeah. in school yeah. by football for Dublin. And our league is at the moment looking at the way it's going from probably 14s. And it's it's hard to wear it. See now when the national 13s come in, yeah. the league is getting decimated at school by level yeah. already. 
we have I suppose there's been I think the DDSL I think they kind of threw it in there and, and, and didn't really think as you said about it they sort of went with the flow we'll take two months off during the summer but it's supposed to be summer football so I can't understand why they're not playing I, mm. I think we had this Richie before the last two weeks in July and the first two weeks in August there's four weeks cut that out and play around it you always have people going away on holidays it can be April, May and it can be September as well so it's, it's, it's not going to make too much of a difference but uh, hopefully they get it right next year Richie are you a positive or tough coach? And I'm, 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 why I'm asking that is because there's different ways of looking at coaching uh, you can be I suppose a positive uh, pat on the back kind of coach or you can be that kind of a, a, a tough coach. Um, what one would you be? Well, as a coach, I'm always very, very positive in my coaching. Okay. And the people that know me, that have known me for years, but it can be very, very tough when I want to be tough. It depends on what age group you're dealing with. I think that's the most important thing. You know, when kids are coming to your, your academy, you know, it's a positive. You have to be positive. Everything has to be positive. Yeah. When they come up there first, but as the as the um, as you get to know the kids, especially when they're going seven, eight, nine, and ten, you get to understand kids. Every every kid has a different personality. There's kids you can talk to. There's kids you can say, "Look, I need this from you. Can you do this?" You know, you have to get to know the child, and very very important if to get to know the parents as well. And I think you have to understand both the parent and the child where they're coming from. So once you get to know the personalities. Um, because, as you know, when when you're dealing with children, you're dealing with always sixteen different types of personalities. Yeah, all the time. So you're going to have kids that don't get on with each other. You have to deal with that. If obviously kids that are are progressing better than other kids, so that's another element. So th- there's loads of different aspects of the game. So you can be positive, but sometimes you just have to say, look, it stops here. The messing cuts out. We have to start thinking about what we're doing here, and, the, and and the element that's where the fun element comes in. You can be a coach, hard, but if you put things across the children in a proper manner, in a fun manner, they'll get the message. Yeah. You don't have to keep hammering, hammering, hammering. So it's very, very important. Be positive, but as a coach, if the weed out, the couple of guys that are always con- constantly messing, which you'll get that we get in the academy week in and week out. Yeah. Four to five and seven-year-olds, you'll get the guy or the young girl. That, never shuts up, just constantly wants to disrupt what the coach is trying to do and then the other kids are not listening to you. I think that's where... So how do you do that with with a five-year-old, six-year-old? Well, it's, it's, it's I mean, it, it's a full in the, you know, you, you can, you can, you know, they, they, you can give them the eyes and say, hey, I can see what's going on here. It has to stop. You know, the other kids are here to have a bit of fun, but you're constantly talking over kids and believe me, kids are not stupid. Yeah. Kids are far from far from stupid, and, and they're so funny. The, the four and five year olds, the seven year olds, and then you have the you know when you go up to thirteen, fourteen year olds, you still get the guy that still wants to. Even when he was in the academy, he still wants to be the class clown. Mm-hmm. So there's a simple way of talking to you know the eleven year old. Look, if you want to be the class clown, that's fair enough for me. So you know we're not teachers here. We're not going to put you outside the classroom. So you either want to learn how to to do things properly with everybody else. We all want to have a bit of banter in, in training. We yeah. have no problem with the banter at all whatsoever. But the banter and the jokes and laughs can get too much because then it's dragging all the other players into what we're trying to achieve. So you just you just nail it, basically. But there's, there's certain ways of doing it. I suppose there's two types of coaches. You've got the, 
the, the fear-based coach or manager, if you want to put it that way. So say, let's we're in an 11-a-side football and we're more, uh, more elite, let's put it that way. You've got a fear-based perspective and you've got the encouraging, motivating perspective. Um, should there be one or the other? As, as you said, should it, be, should it be mixed up? Like say, if you've got a, a drill or a session that you're doing over and over again and they're not, it's not working. Is it positivity or do you get tough? Well, I, I think I think that's down to the coach. If, if if he's not doing the drill properly and he hasn't demoed what he's doing. How's the coach doing it properly? Well, <laughs> uh, coaches and managers are not always right. And, and believe me, you know, you can say to certain players, look, lads, if this is not working, what can we do to, to get it right? You know, a, a, a coach is there, but a coach can always take guidance from players as well. Because yeah. you're working with the player, so you need them on board. So if it's not working, stop the session and just say, lads, there's something going on here. If you, if we, we have to get it right. So, Joe Bloggs, stop the messing. You're the one that's breaking this down all the time. I need 10 or 14 or 15 players to concentrate what we're doing and get them on board, get the players on board. Yeah. And even at that age, if you throw a bit of fun in the, uh, element into it, you'll get it, you'll get it right. Uh, Brendan, how do you deal with a, a, a problem player? <laughs> Been down that road a few times. <laughs> I think I, I agree with Richie. I think you have to look at the, the age group that you're working with and you have to look at the calibre of player that you are. Like sometimes I find in the academy um, at that age as well, similar to Richie where we are, you do have kids that want to play football, you have kids that are there for a social element, yeah, you have kids yeah. there that are for a fun element and you also have parents that that kid has done nothing in sport but this is the first step for them I often found sometimes if you can't speak to them as a coach I bring the parent into the into the situation yeah. where I explain to the yeah. parent what's happening and I explain to the parent exactly what Richie said about we're obviously trying to educate them in a little bit of football it's not really working unfortunately it's breaking down from little Johnny and look the thing you give the parent the option then say look is this the right environment for him at the moment is he okay with it is it something that he's not being forced into that he doesn't want because sometimes you find yeah. that little attitude is sometimes the player doesn't want to yeah because his dad wants him to play football his, par his yeah, parents yeah. played football so he wants to play he might be into tennis he could be into Gaelic yeah, yeah. Uh, he might want to be just out with his mates so I think I'd often encourage the parent to say well I, I use breaks take him out for two minutes if he's okay we'll bring him back in mm. If it, and then what you try and do is you minimise your break you minimise the missing sometimes I find I agree as Richie said the tough coach has to come out you might have to say to the parent listen if this continues for the benefit of our squad and what I'm trying to do or the coaches are doing because you can't have a disruptive player taking up your whole time because that's taken away from the quality of the kids so you give the I often like to give the parent the option mm. you give them a few choices and you say which one would you like to do and that's if the parent is there because you see a lot of kids who get dropped off like a mini crash and are dropped at the at the, at the football academies let's talk about the younger age um, and you go look for the parents and the parents aren't around so then you've got a situation where the parent might come back then at the end of it and see their kids sitting out or yeah. disgruntled and they haven't a clue what's going on because they haven't bothered taking any interest. Well, I, I definitely find if that's the case, and I mean, even for myself at academy level, the one rule I've always insisted, you won't, your kid won't be involved in the academy unless you stay 
there has to be a parent available at all times more so because every kid wants their mum and dad to see them play yeah. score yeah. fall over the yeah, ball yeah. do whatever you like that's one of the rules I would always enforce with the, the younger age that I work with and if it's a case sometimes you find a parent has two or three kids and they're dropping off and this may happen in between the conversation is definitely made at the end of training but the parent is fully aware I think is the right way uh, of the situation because it doesn't get rectified on your own because there's always a you and I yeah. and them and hang on yeah, my child yeah. is an angel but I'm not saying all the coaches are right you know you can say things that the wrong manner and stuff like that but as long I find if the parent is fully aware of the situation I think eventually it gets rectified yeah. because um, you'll find whether the kid wants to be there or not Has relationships with parents improved over the years? Is it more in relation to how it's put across to you guys to put it because there's always the great dramas of pushy parents and Mike's on this or Mike girl this and whatever like have parents got a bit more realistic or is it more user well versed in how to handle them nowadays well I think that's down to the individual coach and the manager that's running the team uh, that's that's a very very important question and the most important person in this is the child mm. we're here to to work with the children to teach them the game what parents decide and do, that's their business. Um, if I hear a parent shouting or telling their child what to do on the line, what I personally do, I discreetly go over and, and talk to the parent and say, excuse me, would you mind stop telling Johnny or Peter what to do on the pitch? We've gone through what we needed to do on the park. You don't hear me screaming and shouting instructions on the pitch. So... If I have you screaming and shouting, I'm going to have 10 parents screaming and shouting on the park. It depends on how you handle the situation. And you have to know the parent. Mm. And, and also, a lot of kids are dropping out of the game, even at 7, 8 and 9. Because what's happening is the parents are shouting on the line. But I think that's important for the coach or the manager to deal with that situation and get the kid out of the equation. The kid is there to play football. He's there to enjoy his game. And believe me, he doesn't want the parent. And you get an awful lot of respect down the road. It might take five or six years, you know, for a child to understand that, well, this manager has looked after me down right through the years. Unannounced, we've talked to the parents. So slowly but surely, the parent will back off. Mm. And the kid won't know where that came from. But it's important that we know where it came from. And the parents understand that we're only there to support the child. And if it's done in the proper manner, there's no falling out anywhere along the line. Yeah. But the most, it's all about the child. Okay. The, uh, you may have seen this yesterday, Richie, there was a bit of a rant going around. The FAI have come out with a statement that all <coughs> clubs should have their UEFA A and B coaches coaching their 11-a-side teams, especially the UEFA A doing the elite sides in their, in their club, and that the UEFA C or youth cert coaches should be doing the small-sided game. What's your thought on that, Brent? Yeah, I, th I think, look, your, your highest quality qualified coaches, I think, at any club should be certainly working at, at your kind of uh, most competitive level. I hate to use the word elite because mm. elite makes you think that you're Real Madrid or Barcelona. Every club has a, has a high performance level no matter what, what standards you play in. I think the question should be asked, and I've had the, the fortitude to be involved internationally and speaking to other coaches from different countries. Um, we probably need to make sure it's not our highest coaches maybe working with the ball. Given our 
other giving coaches in general a chance to be of a better standard. We're one of the highest ranked countries for coaching fees in Europe. And uh, it's it's a bit embarrassing, isn't and it? And when you compare it to other nations, we have a lot of good people uh, coaching without those type of licenses. But the, the, whether the price or the, the the time frame to do them doesn't allow them to do that. I think we're missing a lot of good coaches through that sort of uh, char- uh, characterization of you. You have to be a wife to do this. You have to be outside to do that. There's a lot of good guys involved in sport, all sports, football, everywhere. But they may not be able to. Like, you know, if you want to do your, your IFA, it's a, it's a huge amount of money. What is it, three grand? Three and a half. Three and a half, half to pay the front. And it's, it's, I think it's about five, four or five hundred in Germany to do the UEFA. So I think I think UK is there as well. But it does put off people. And, and sometimes you think, is is the money side of thing? is it just a money making racket when it comes to the UEFA A and B situation for the FAI uh, and obviously the FA and whoever else charges dearly uh, rather than getting wanting to get the best people in to do the best job possible around because obviously Richie is it a question that if you have UEFA A and B coaches do they necessarily make good small sided coaches I think I think you uh does, when the, you have does, it, the, does the course the is not really designed for that level, is it? Well, as a coach, I think, well, depending on what level you're at, I think you better drop down to any level if you're a coach. I think that's the most important. As coaches, we should be able to coach whether you're away for A, you're away for B, or pro license. Sometimes you might be put in serious and you have to drop back down to the academy level. And that's, that's where your experience comes in. So, as, as, as Brendan said about elite players, there's going to be elite players. There's always been elite players in this country, whether it was with, you know, the Cherry Orchards, the Belvedere's. There's always been elite, and that's always going to be elite. So, you need, obviously, a, um, a certain standard of coaching for the top players. But that doesn't say that top coach can't go down to academy level either. And I think the pathway for coaching now, through the FEI, They've rejigged it, and I think it's very, very good what they've done now. And I think it's it's progressing. I think there's an awful lot more young coaches coming into the system. And what we're trying to do in Luke United now is start educating their 16 and 17-year-olds. So they're the future coaches of the club. So you're not going to join the coaching managers from outside. We have, I think we've 38 to 40 teams. You know, what we as a club are looking to the future is setting up a structure that our young players that are playing now at you know 16, 17, get them into the coach head from from day one if they're interested and only if they're interested. I think that's very, very important because even as a child, there's no point saying to a, a, a seven-year-old, by the way, I want you to come in and coach. They say, well, I don't want to coach. Well, then you have to source the people that want to come in, whether boys or girls. Yeah. And get the coach out right. As Brennan said, you know, the standard of coaching is improving and I think there's more people coming into the coaching end of it. and there's a structure there to follow and I think it's a very, very good pathway for any young coach now that we, certain Brennan, never had when when we were growing up. I mean, 17, there's no such thing as coach yet. Yeah. And if it was, it was for a very, very elite. Yeah. Now there is a coaching pathway for anybody at a certain age to go into that pathway and that might take if you're going in at 17 you could be depending on how good you are or you come across 
by 28.30, you could be a UEFA A licence. But I think the biggest stumbling block there is time and money. Yeah. Because if you add them all up all together from, it used to be the Kickstart 1, they've changed and now, I think from the, from the start of the Coach Ed to, to the pro licence, if you want to go that far, you're looking at 15, 16 grand altogether yeah. from, from day one up. But there's people will just stop at youth cert. I'm happy doing the youth cert. If you want to go further, look, if you want to spend the money, that's your choice. Yeah. So it really shouldn't come down, you know, the costing. If you want, if you want to be that coach, then you have to pay the money. I do think that the FAI could do. Uh, uh, what's the holiday place that I booked my holiday with? <laughs> Something Republic. I don't know what it is. Travel holiday. Republic. Travel Republic. They let you pay it off week by week if you want to. And I think that's something the FAI could do with bringing in, instead of looking for one big installment and straight in. And you have to pay, is it 75 or 25 uh, deposit just to try and get into it, an application fee. So there, there's little stumbling blocks. I think they could iron it out and make it a lot easier for people. Even if the prices are what they are, they could make it a little, little bit easier for people to get into, I think. I think the pricing of UEFA level anyway would discourage a lot of people bar... Uh, I mean, when I did my UEFA license, I know we had a few few coaches who came straight from UTERT into UEFA. And to be fair to the guys, they did it because their coach, the club said, that's the next badge, we'll pay for it. Yeah. But I suppose you have to be careful as well. The coaches weren't ready for it. Mm. Um, but again, suppose going back to your original question, I think if you have your wife a coach starting at the very bottom, I think that's essential for your club. It's essential because although people say well you're a UEFA coach or here's the best team like UEFA coaches bring different things into experience organisation you know presentation preparation all the little things that could help young players so you alleviate a lot of the problems we were talking about earlier yeah. growing through your club so I, to me you know I think we should encourage uh, coaches out there to do their badges no matter what the, as, as Richie said the pathway is very good and you learn a lot off it and there's 7v7s there's strength and conditioning there's 5v5s it's not just there's one licence do it there's the next one there's little gaps in between to help you get better but I think it would be more encourageable here in Ireland anyway if we had maybe a funding system through our clubs and the FEI to help encourage people because as Richie says certain coaches get to 11 and go that's me done I don't want to yeah. I don't want to pay three fifty for you, sir. I don't want to pay fifteen hundred for B. I don't want to pay three and a half for A. So I think if we encourage that a little bit more and had a system where, I suppose like other countries, as we said earlier, there's a bit more coach friendly yeah. and coach frightening to make you do your badge. I think schoolboy football in, in Ireland in general would be in a be a very good place. Irish footballers uh, would be regarded as less technically. Uh, less technical ability than they will talk Spanish, Germans and all that where does that stem from and how, how can we improve that uh, from a coaching basis I think we seem to forget that lifestyle is a massive thing here in Ireland we are find Irish parents and families are always too busy I have a friend in Sweden who, who played League of Ireland here he, he married a Swedish guy lives over there I met him over there two years ago his son was 10 they play four times a week they play they train three days a week and play a game on a Saturday and that's normal in Sweden like at nine years of age I remember when I took over a club as a director the parents wouldn't train more than one night a week and you couldn't get them doing more, more than one night a yeah. week but then you have, you have the, the, the Richie Dunn 
uh, Richard Dunn situation where he's over in Monaco and he is praising the Monaco setup that they train once a week and play at the weekend and he says that having this, let, let them play street football is the way to go and to encourage t- uh, young players to improve as well so that there's the the, the, the counter side what do you what do you think Rich? I think I think things are changing in the game and I think as I said coach head now is important technically our kids are getting better if you look around most of the academies now in the country especially scuba level like every club around this country now has academies and they're all doing the right things now if you go to any academy on a Saturday morning there's more footballs than players which you never had when we were growing up you look at have one ball yeah. between 20 and I think technically we're going to get better and better as the years progress and I think the coaching system has a major major to, to play in that the role to play so the more times the more time our kid is on the ball in the academy or in training they're going to get better you know we a lot of you go to watch five or so games now. You know, you see players doing the little, the little Ronaldo's, the step overs. They're taking players on. They're doing drag backs. They're actually passing the ball now, even at five and six. Yeah, without, without telling them. Without telling them, them. and, and I think that's down now to where we are in the country as a football nation. Things have changed, and I think the most important thing as well is we'll never lose that edge that we can hit someone when we want to hit them. Yeah, and I think that's worldwide in football a lot of countries come over here to play against yours but I think now they're looking at us we're getting more technically but we still have that little edge yeah. when we're playing against the bigger the bigger nations as we so call bigger nations I don't see why we can't be a big nation in football yeah. the way our football system is going why can't we produce the next Messi's the next Ronaldo's I mean, we had we, like if you look at the of the Ireland of only George Best Liam Brady Johnny Joyles you have Hendricks, you have Brady, Ian Brady now. We have always had gifted players. And I think we're going to see more and more of that in the future. Okay. Brendan, cover coaching, I love cover coaching. I love everything about and Richie's talking about doing Ronaldo's and Ronaldinho's and the Zidane roulettes and all that sort of stuff. With the FAI small side of game, should they incorporate that more into it? Uh, I think a lot of the coaches, as you said, UEFA A, UEFA B, who do academies and all, I think they pick off that anyhow. So I think that's their experience because they've been through, you know, a lot of coaching content, a lot of football content. <laughs> uh, but in the small sided game, where they want the UEFA C or the small sided uh, coaches to develop their younger players, then do they need to develop that? coaching criteria to involve more of maybe of that co- coaching co- or cover coaching uh, I suppose skill level I think in fairness it's they're, they're great tools you know Carrera is a great tool is it a tactical tool some coaches say it's not because it's all individual technical abilities technical drills but that's lots of for the age group though of, yeah. of, if you look at academy age you're not going to go too tactical with them anyhow are you? no but I think it's as well the encouraging thing I suppose um, what Richie saying earlier about coach education you do a career with coach and they are expensive the level 1 is expensive the level 2 is expensive I think it goes back to that little thing where, uh, I was saying about funding make it more accessible that more coaches want it I think some guys um, a lot of coaches will want to do every course yeah. and they bring it in I think if you get a mix but I think it comes down as we said earlier as the experience of your coach the environment that you work in the players that you work in for me as a coach teach the players let them play 
let them play, let them do Cruyff, let them do drag backs, let them do Rabonis, especially at academy and, and non-competitive level. Yeah. I think you should be encouraged to do it. But we need to teach the kids as well that you can try these things in a, in a right place, right time in a game. Obviously, you don't want them doing a, uh, trying to do a rainbow flick on the goal line. John Stones. But I'm all for uh, definitely players. Uh, trying different stuff without a doubt I think that uh, coaching has changed that we have to definitely encourage it is about playing for fun at certain levels yeah. and for me I wouldn't have a problem with it you can see the difference you know, the back in our day like our coaching was different they'll kick it out and pop it into the corner and chase it down <laughs> and at all our levels we've all played different levels at that age but that's what we were told yeah but I think end of story I think when we were young there was less organised coaching yeah. but there was far more street football as in I would go out whole summer and I could play three or four games in the I day. knew my technical stuff so you, you learn by was your, messing your, on the road yourself wasn't on the, yeah, I learned how to curl a ball by accident yeah. you know Same so, myself. so is there anything Richie that you would change in the coaching structure in Ireland is there anything you would change um, in development of youth players is there anything that annoys you <sighs> we only have a few minutes well <laughs> <laughs> It's not particularly, you know, I mean, football is football. Football is not rocket science. You, you, you have to, it depends on the player. It depends on the group of players you have to, to work with. I mean, you're going to have your mixture of players. You're going to have your, your quality players. You're going to have a player that can, you know, that you can stand up to be counted. You need them in your team. Will it change anything? We're Irish. Be Irish. You know... Don't be copying of, of anybody else in the world. About you will know, always copy of, of, of somebody. But I think we're always caught up the German way, the Spanish way, the Dutch way. We're always fluctuating from one to another. We should get our own pathway yeah. and stay on that pathway ourselves. Don't take do what we're doing, learn the learn the kids the right way and never take that little competitive out of the Irish way. Because I think if you lose that so you know, keep our own and take and take bits of everything. Absolutely, well, that's what football's about. You know, all over the world, you take bits and pieces from everywhere, and if you can join all that up together, you know, we've some super players in in this country, and I think our system's right now to get it right. And I think, I think we don't give our schoolboy clubs enough credit. Yeah. All over the country, from from Dublin to Kerry, all over the place now, things have changed. You know, schoolboy clubs have put so much funding. Like, if you look at, we, we, we have an all better pitch coming on board in October. Crumlin, Cherry Orchard, you go down to Nace Football Club. I remember going down to Nace years and years ago and did nothing. They're one of the biggest clubs, you know. They, yeah, you yeah. go down there, look at their facilities now, look at Sword Celtic. We have invested hundreds and hundreds of thousands in skill by football all over the country. Stella Mars have a, have a great little setup now in the middle of the city centre. You probably wouldn't see it anywhere else yeah. in the world. Tucked away nicely over there in Duncondra. And I think that's a great credit to the people. To any club that does that is a great credit to all the clubs around. And I think we're really in, in, in the DDA or the, the the clubs now really have to get the credit. And I think and I the FEI have to start giving all their skill by clubs a pat on the back because if you go around all of all the facilities, you know, we've got a lot of funding from obviously the Dublin City Councils and all that. Yeah. But the money is being funded and put into the right areas now. And I think the FEO should enhance that and say, look, 
We need you on board here. You are doing great work. We're not going to pull the rug from under you. We want to, and I think as we're talking about, you know, the under thirty and elite, yeah. and I think this is very, very important. We know that they want the air come league clubs, but I think there should be a pathway or an avenue opened up to every schoolboy club in this country. Yeah, if you have the proper facilities in place, to be able to, the FEI should turn around and say, "This is what we want from you." Like a, a club license for the yeah. top league, they should turn around and say, if you want to go where come league on the 13th, 15th, 17th, 19th, whether you're Cherry Orchard, Sword Celtic, Luke United, or whoever, this is the pathway. Financially, facilities, yeah. where the finances are coming from. That is vital. And if you look at all the, the clubs around, the, all the schoolboy clubs, they're all funded through parents. Yeah. Yeah. Every single schoolboy club is funded through parents. We know kids that have three and four kids in clubs, and their parents are paying a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And I think there should be a pathway for their kid, regardless what club they're with in this country, to say, my, my son could be playing Aircom League under 13 for Lucan, Cherry Orchard, Crumlin, Belvedere, Joey's, whoever. Give, open up a pathway for them in the future. It might take five years' time, but. It should so, be there. So basically, schoolboy clubs are doing a great deal of work. They could do a leg up from the FAI. The schoolboy clubs have always done the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no, the schoolboy no. clubs have always done the work. There's no, there's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. Brendan? No, I think Richie's made some brilliant points there. And, and like you said, I suppose the one thing that we should keep encouraging facilities. Like yeah. uh, over the last 10, 15 years, the reason why we're, we're here talking about the great debate of football. I think our facilities in, in all the clubs have improved, which bring the standard of coaching, standard of playing, standard of player to every club. Yeah. But I think it's right as well, the pathway needs to be developed a bit better because, let's be honest, schoolboy clubs are run better than League of Ireland clubs. Yeah. They have better facilities, they're better, they have their own grounds, they have training bases, they have academies. Like, I'm not a fan uh, of the recent developments of... of the amount of League of Ireland clubs now all of a sudden amalgamating with schoolboy clubs. What's wrong with their own schoolboy section? Yeah. They're having to join up with your Belvedere or you have Drotted at Home Farm, mm -hmm. you have Joey's O'Brien. So these are getting playing license for pro professional clubs to say that you're you're running at or you're playing at the highest level and yet they're amalgamating with schoolboy clubs. So do we need to be questioned whether the schoolboy section is improved or somewhere else? Yeah. Because we're doing a lot of good work at schoolboy level. And the gas thing is, every bit of it more or less is volunteer. Yeah. And they're not getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. So I think encourage what we're doing at schoolboy level a bit more because there's a lot of good people involved behind the scenes and on the pitch. But the pathway is certainly, there's a lot of hurdles there for you to, to progress in schoolboy level. Well, I'm... Good, because I think we could talk about this all day, and we don't have all day. You're heading out to Swords, is it? I've got a training session now, yeah. Got training training. Well, yeah. Don't break Make sure you're all yeah. shouting and break the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be positive, coach. <laughs> Richie, Brendan, thanks very much. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. And welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Dave... The yes, Pre sir. Premier League today. Who's on today? Who is on today? Obviously, Newcastle are home to Spurs and uh, United are home to the Hammers. I presume they're home to the Hammers because obviously... Yeah, no, they are. They are, they are uh, you yeah. saying both and all the gang are using it. So, yeah, um, Spurs, a lot of pressure on them today. Obviously, but everything's gone, in my opinion, because uh, if it doesn't go well today, everyone's going to be going, oh, they haven't improved, they haven't improved. Because 
otherwise they're going to sound a bit like Arsenal. Oh, the kids are going to improve another year, but yeah. they're a very experienced side, so they you can't do. they can't jump on that either. Yeah, and then and obviously Newcastle have a great excuse. We're not strong enough if they get beaten. Um, but that's actually, they've already. Now, apparently, there's a big interview with Mike Ashley today. Very open and honest. I seen the interview. Um, it's on at seven o'clock tonight on Sky Sports. Oh, afterwards, in detail. Yeah. But it'll be a shortened version before the game, and he's very open and honest. On basically, yeah, I'm doing my best, but I can't compete. Simple as that. Basically, in other words, what he said, come on, Mister Richman, come and buy the club. Yeah, basically, what he said was, he as he's worth. He reckon he's worth a lot of money. Yes. He said it's all in paper. I don't yeah. have that yeah. phone. Them phone. It's all in 100%. shares in, yeah, in, in direct. Was it direct stores? stores? Yeah, whatever. He said, but he doesn't have directly have that money. Yeah. So to try and compete with basically, he said a small country, which yeah, exactly. is how much wealth uh, Man City. Oh, would of course, have, yeah. they can't yeah. do it. Yeah. So, but they put that out there. In other words, saying, "Listen, we can't compete with that. So don't expect us to be up near there. You know, mm-hmm. we could be mm-hmm. in relegation struggles." So, yeah, it's a bit more of a. Warts and all interview, and he gives out about well, biggest mistake was thinking about renaming St James Park. I learned that fast, and he changed it this and the other. So it's worth to listen. But he in detail, kind of said. stuck that in there. Well, we're not getting money for the name and rights and all exactly. That kind of stuff. And then you know, today if they, I'm not going to go through the eleven, but if they play a certain eleven, it'll be the first four hundred million pound team today to go in a starting eleven. It's mad, isn't in it? In the Premier League, so mad. yeah. But the, the prices are just kind of astronomical now. Yeah, the price are who cares who's paying them? It's just it's the, the going rate at the moment that's absolutely ridiculous. But it can't be sustained. I think as it? Robbie Savage said in one of the papers I read this morning, it's. He doesn't have a problem with what they're paying for the big guys. It's some of these ordinary players going for 40 and 50 million yeah. that just drives them insane. And in fairness, it drives me insane as well. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are just ridiculous. Mad money. I mean, Sigerson, they want 50 million yeah. for him. Sigerson's a good player. Yeah. But he's not a 50 million no. player. Beggar's belief. Beggar's belief. But I'd probably still go with Spurs United wins today. What do you reckon? Do you think, uh, yes. I think Torito to get a little uh, consolation goal. I took him out with fancy footballs. I put a bit. Did you? Yeah. I took him out. So I'm hoping. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I had a half team. How do you go, by the way, just to finish off on the fantasy? On the fantasy, I had Salah got me 10 yeah, points. Yeah. I had uh, Pickford and Michael Keane uh, yeah. clean sheets, six yeah, points Jack each. Yeah. The only Jack problem yeah. is I had Courtois, who can see the tree. <sighs> Gary Cahill. Oh, Gary Cahill, did yeah, you? Minus, minus three. Ah, oh, no. Yeah. So we'll wait and see. But I have a few today. I have Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Chicharito. So come on, lads, get the finger out and do me a job. So we're going to finish with the who anyway. Um, have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and enjoy the rest of the week. And we'll see you next week.